Since the invention of fire, man has spun stories of gods and monsters. From a million years in the future, heavy metal presents Wonderwork. Getting ahead in business requires thick skin, political savvy, and a lot of luck. In the case of our next um, hero, luck comes swinging in in the form of the sword that just decapitated her boss. Fire up your receptors. Pulled from the pages of heavy metal, this is Synapse Organic Bliss. Money really can buy happiness. Or at least that was the tagline we've been workshopping here at the Hexen House Corporation. I gazed out the boardroom window at Toronto's jagged skyline, framed in a blanket of steel-gray clouds. As daylight receded into the distance, a sea of neon burst to life. Greens and blues and electric pinks, an endless glittering monument to consumerism. Energy drinks and VR rigs and automated transport pods and every modern convenience a citizen could desire. But unfortunately, in this economy, no one was buying. The hope was that HexCorp's new product launch would change that and give our sagging augmented experience company a shot in the arm. The board was looking forward to our first profitable quarter in years and to put it bluntly, our asses were on the line. The concept was simple. An implant is inserted into your neural wetware through a minimally invasive procedure. The device interfaces with your frontal lobe to simulate the effects of dopamine. And presto, you're living in a state of perpetual bliss. And in the year 2183, bliss was in short supply. Ever since the Van Buren spill that buried the city under a toxic cloud and forced Torontonians to remain indoors or risk having their lungs slowly liquefy. That was five years ago, and the air is still not safe. VR was an adequate substitute for human interaction and seemed to quell the local population for a time. But in the wake of nationwide infrastructure cuts, people quickly began to grow angry and desperate. It started in the form of digital vandalism. Social media and online gaming were overrun by bots and hackers, rendering every platform unusable. It became apparent that a reliable offline solution was required. A modern day opiate for the masses, so to speak. That's where we came in. XCorp Techs had been running clinical trials on our new implant, and the results were astounding. No side effects, no neural lag, no degradation of existing wetware, but the path to euphoria had hit a few snags. The trials were imperfect. You can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs, as the old saying goes, and they'd certainly smashed our fair share. Test subjects were being lobotomized now and then, but as a board member, I had no problem with the methods. They'd voluntarily signed away their rights, and the compensation was generous. They all knew the risks going in. Were we completely transparent with the media when it came to the clinical trials? Not exactly. But it's not like we were lying about it either. It was an omission, a white lie, a fib at best. Just a few words to grease the wheels of progress and the results would be worth the sacrifice. Despite setbacks, we were on the verge of a breakthrough. And then the incident happened. I still can't believe it. An embittered former employee infiltrated our labs and murdered the founder of Hexcorp. I shit you not, with a goddamn samurai sword. A 
swift vertical swipe of her blade separated our beloved CEO's head from her body and sent it rolling across the laboratory floor. The gruesome images were splashed across simul streams nationwide, and as you can imagine, our already suffering company took yet another financial hit. Claire Hexenhouse was not just a founder and a visionary. She was the face of the company. Claire was the company. She was irreplaceable. Everything was crashing down around us, and not just Hexcorp. The greater Toronto area was still under quarantine, and with filtration masks hard to come by, people found other ways to riot. Taking to the physical streets was a thing of the past, as digital terrorism became the new norm. Shopping portals were infected with tapeworm viruses, wiping zettabytes of data. Even our Hexcorp servers got hacked, leaking private employee information. No one was safe, and there was no end in sight to the attacks. Hexcorp's sales continued to nosedive, and everyone on the board shifted into full-on panic mode. I was one of three board members who actually attended the meeting in person at the top of Hexcorp Plaza. Sure, I could have holoformed in from home like the others, but this was a potentially big meeting for me, and I wanted to be there in person. No tech riot or noxious gas cloud would keep me from it. Everyone was slinging blame on the other happen? or looking to someone else for answers. You're lucky I don't fire you. We needed a leader. We needed someone to rally behind. It was time to appoint a new CEO. It had to be someone with experience, someone who understood the consumer and knew the marketplace. Someone like... What about Tasha? Another board member suggests. Claire's daughter. Not exactly who I was thinking. There were certainly other, more qualified candidates. But the impromptu suggestion quickly began to gain steam. They fucking love her out there. Tasha Hexenhouse had just celebrated her 20th birthday and bore a striking resemblance to her late mother. The same angular cheekbones, striking blue eyes, that slender but imposing six-foot frame. The similarities were all just cosmetic. The more impressive part of the package was her mind. She had an encyclopedic knowledge of Hexcorp technology and a foothold on all of her mother's business dealings. Tasha lacked experience, but she looked the part. She talked the talk, and perhaps most importantly, the media absolutely adored her. That's when I realized the board wasn't looking for someone to simply fill Claire's shoes. They wanted another Claire. One by one, the board raised their hands in favor. I thought she was too much of a wild card, but I bit my lip and went along with the mob. And just like that, Tasha was in as new CEO. Despite being next in line, my name wasn't even considered. So I was back to being CMO, and now had to report to someone who wasn't even legally old enough to buy alcohol. Stock prices jumped the moment Tasha's face hit the simul streams. Of course they did. After all, she was practically a celebrity. But let's see how well she fares when she actually has to do something. The first day under new leadership was an eventful one. Tasha certainly kept her promise to hit the ground running. Holographic figures burst to life under the boardroom table. There were representatives that spanned the globe, including one that had recently passed away. A senior member had died at the age of 146, but not before his memories had been uploaded to the Hexcorp server. It wasn't exactly talking to him, but it approximated all of his decisions based on an algorithm. It was creepy, like talking to a ghost. The server room that stored him and others like him was only a few floors below us. It was essentially a digital graveyard. The doors to the room slid open and Tasha came in like a fireball. I watched this 20-year-old kid, 
with literally no resume, command a room full of sharks with the same icy, calculated precision that her mother had been famous for. It was haunting. I don't think she sat down once. She was too busy vibrating. And when she opened her mouth, the words just seemed to fall in place for her. Maybe it was the residual fear of her mother that kept us all nodding along. I've worked in marketing long enough to know that hype never meets reality. But fuck me if this girl wasn't undeniable. Fuck me. Tasha wanted to fast track the new neural implant, increasing production tenfold and making it available to the world free of charge. A few of us balked at her proposal, but she insisted it would be fully monetizable once everyone had assembled the product. A little dose of bliss, followed by an advertisement that subliminally whispers sweet nothings in your ears. Care for another euphoric hit of dopamine? Enter your credit password and it can be yours for a nominal fee. Come on, just one more taste won't hurt. But business, in Tasha's estimation, could not continue until law and order had been restored. Quelling the online rebellion was first on her agenda. Tasha regarded the growing digital mob with contempt. She saw the agitators as an extension of the woman who had slain her mother in cold blood. Or at least, that was my read on the situation. A crack in her cold veneer began to show as she illuminated the room with the holographic screen, and the slightest glimmer of a smirk crawled onto her face. It expanded and fractured into 16 even squares. Then it doubled and doubled again. At first glance, I thought the projector was on the fritz, but then I realized what Tasha was doing. She was splitting a feed between more than 60 different cams scattered throughout the city. Micro drones hovered in cramped hallways, surveying masked tactical teams. The burly squads of door kickers brandished batons and were each stationed outside what looked like residential apartments. What the hell is going on here? I said, a little louder than I had intended. Tasha's head remained stationary, but her steely eyes pivoted in my direction. This is a cleanup, she explained coolly. This is my algorithm unmasking the identity, IP address, and physical location of every rioter disrupting the band. I dumbed down the interface so much that even the cops could figure out how to use it. And yes, I'm giving it all away for free. I glanced nervously around the boardroom, and each member seemed to be as confused as myself. I don't know how she'd done it, or how it was legal, but she'd snitched on every hacker in the GTA and had sent the wolves to their front doors. Tasha glanced at her watch, and as the clock struck nine, it let out a metallic chirp. And right on cue, every police unit, SWAT team, and drone leapt into action. Battering rams knocked Durasteel doors off their hinges, sending them spiraling into the units. Dogs barked, children wailed, neighbors shouted through the walls. It was complete chaos. Screams of protest soon turned to screams of pain, followed by the unnerving silence of surrender and defeat. Once they'd cuffed and muzzled every hacker, they went to work on their hardware, dismantling workstations and confiscating memory cards. They didn't leave anything to chance. This raid wasn't going to show up on some simul streams. As far as I could tell, we were the only witnesses. My jaw hung slack, but nothing came out. I didn't have the vocabulary to describe what I was feeling, the sickness bubbling up in my gut. We all wanted order restored. We all wanted business as usual. But was this the price of compliance? At the end of the day, it's not the methods that matter, it's the results. Tasha said to us. And sometimes you have to break an egg. It's not even the fucking saying. 
Tasha silently collapsed her fancy screens and marched to her office with a noticeable twinkle of satisfaction. And just like that, the digital revolution was over. Everyone involved in the online chaos had miraculously laid down their proverbial arms and raised the white flag. Or at least that's how the media framed it in the days that followed. Tasha got full credit for this new era of digital peace. Not that they knew she literally hacked all of cyberspace at once and blew a gaping hole in our civil liberties, but because the moment needs a face. And her face got clicks. I wasn't sure if I was appalled or impressed with how quickly this 20-year-old neophyte had just stopped a nationwide crisis with an app she invented and implemented entirely on her own. I wanted to buy in. I wanted to believe that what we had witnessed, what Tasha had done, was a necessary evil. It would all be worth it, I kept telling myself. The juice was worth the squeeze. But every time I saw our new CEO's face on a simul stream, the more I saw her forced, practiced smile that didn't reach her eyes, a new image overlaid like a digital glitch, I saw steel rods meeting human skulls, bones snapping and blood spattering, the sickening shrieks and pleas for mercy. I turned off the simul strains and Tasha's face dissipated, plunging my bedroom into darkness. I rolled into my pillow. It'll all be worth it, I said aloud, just to hear someone utter the words. If this upcoming quarter went as planned, I could retire on stock options alone. But it was about more, more than money. It was about doing something that mattered and made a difference. Tasha was making a difference, all right. I'm just not sure if it's the right kind. It was the night before our big launch, and I was at the office working late. As head of marketing, I was overseeing the rollout, and I wanted to make sure it went as smoothly as humanly possible. A lot was riding on this release. It had to go right. I'd already been fitted with our new chip, along with the rest of the board. My neural wetware had accepted the implant seamlessly, and it was ready to activate. Outside my office, the long metallic hall that led to the laboratory was empty. Aside from cleaning droids and the odd lab tech milling about the building, it was a ghost town. Then I spotted Tasha at the end of the hall, wearing a pink satin robe. She tapped something into her tablet and then looked up, not at me, but at the cameras. She then placed her hand on the door pad and proceeded through the sliding doors and into the lab. Curious, what was she doing in the lab the night before launch? wearing nothing but a satin fucking robe? I wrapped my fist against the steel door and called out her name. There's no reply. So I let myself in. My eyes trailed along the laboratory floor where the pink satin robe had been discarded, along with shoes, socks, and a few pieces of jewelry. Tasha was inverted naked and glistening, bobbing gently in the coral red liquid of a simulation tank, a transparent egg-shaped vat the size of a small swimming pool. Silver umbi cords snaked out from every direction, tethering to her forehead, spine and wrists. She twitched periodically, eyes fluttering. I stepped to the control panel and activated the visual cue, rendering a projection of Tasha. And her deceased mother, Claire, appeared alongside her. Their mouths moved silently for a glitchy moment until the audio crackled into sync. It was uncanny. I was watching the private conversation between the smartest woman in the world and her daughter. 
Claire pleaded with her daughter not to continue down this path. Her face was etched in panic, eyes welling with emotion, hands balled into tightly clenched fists. This simulation of Claire was the most human I'd ever see her. Tasha scoffed. Why? She asked. Should I allow this city to thrive? After all that Hexcorp has done for them, all of our attempts at restoring law and order, all of our innovations, all of our precious time and effort, what was the response? Violence. Mom, you literally gave your life for this city. And for what? An endless cycle of hatred and retaliation. Even now, Tasha explained, they are out there conspiring. These ungrateful rats are plotting a new wave of attacks on the city. And how soon before the Hexcorp building is their next target? Hexcorp is the hand that fed them, but they don't care. Rats are vile creatures that will eat one another when they get desperate enough. Maybe, she wondered aloud. This is as far as we will ever go. Not in terms of technology. No, the advancements will continue unabated, as will medicine and biology and every other modern convenience imaginable. That type of progress is simply a matter of trial and error. It will always be there once invented. But human progress, becoming more tolerant, more enlightened, that's something that needs to be relearned and retaught over and over again with every iteration, every generation, every person. It's a concept some of us are incapable of grasping no matter how many clinical trials we run. History has proven to be an ideological metronome ticking gradually from one violent extreme back to the temporarily calm center and then reliably back to the opposite pole until no one is content and everything is destroyed. We don't need a toxic spill to poison our air supply because even given the perfect conditions, given every opportunity, afforded every comfort, humans will poison our own world out of spite. No, they don't deserve the future I could provide for them. Tasha ranted. They don't deserve my neural implant that provides a state of perpetual bliss. That would be a reward for their bad behavior. No different than awarding your puppy a treat after it shits on your rug. Before the implants hit the market, Tasha explained, they'll be equipped with an untraceable tapeworm virus. After a certain market share has been implanted, I'll activate the kill switch, wiping their minds. Billions of people unable to remember the horrors of the past or why they become so enraged in the first place. They'll be docile, pliable, open to suggestion, and most importantly, prepared to be led. This is how we ensure human progress. My hand flew to my forehead, fingertips running along the faded scar at my hairline. It was almost healed, barely perceptible, but the tactile sensation remained. It was the entry point where my implant had been inserted into my neural wetware. Tasha had insisted the board members would be the first to test the technology. What has this fucking lunatic done? I raced to the wall and smashed the glass holding the fire axe. I gripped the handle, reeled back, and slammed it into the vat. It resonated with a hollow thud. I swung again and again, but the rubbery glass refused to break. Tasha remained dormant floating serenely in the gelatinous liquid, all while her powerful voice projected through the speakers, screaming the details of her demented manifesto. I ripped off my jacket and kicked off my high heels. It was now or never. My fingers gripped the top of the vat and I hoisted myself into the unit. Suddenly shoulder deep in the liquid, I frantically began pulling on the umbicords. Tasha was jolted out of the virtual world. Her eyes widened as she realized what was happening. 
My hands were wrapped tightly around her slender throat. I couldn't help myself. I just started squeezing. She swatted fecklessly at my arms as nasty red veins spiderwebbed the whites of her eyes. I felt the life drain from her, slowly at first, methodically, and then all at once. Her naked body went limp and floated to the surface. Just then, a lab technician entered the room and saw me cradling our boss's lifeless body. He screamed in horror, asking what had happened. And I explained the situation. I was in my office working late when I saw our CEO half-naked heading for the lab. I didn't think too much of it, but then a few minutes later, I heard a sound, like someone was struggling. It was coming from the lab. I ran over to investigate, and that's when I saw our CEO with one of the umbicords snaked around her neck. I dove into the embryonic chamber, frantic to revive her. I managed to untangle her from the wires and perform CPR, but it was too late. She was already gone. A week later, we were back at the table, appointing a new CEO. This time, it was my name they all mentioned. The hero who not only tried to save our poor, misguided previous CEO, but also the one who discovered the bad code in the neural implants that would have fried us all. The media asked if I was saddened by the loss of Tasha Hexenhouse, the beloved daughter and savior of Hexcorp. Of course, I said that I was. How do you plan to move the company forward? I spoke passionately about carrying on our dream to make this world safer and more pleasant for everyone. And then I pulled a handkerchief from my pocket and dabbed the corner of my eye. We're all going to miss Tasha and Claire, I explained. It's truly a tragedy what happened to both of them. But the Hexen House legacy lives on in the innovations that they've given their literal lives for. I vow to carry on their vision as I've learned a lot from both of them. Oh, look at that. A white lie can grease the wheels after all. Not even a lie. A fib, at best. Oh, every word I said to that reporter was totally true. Just check your polygraph app. No, the prevarication was when I wiped a tear that was never there. But it's about the results, not the methods, right? And when it's for the betterment of mankind, as someone wise once told me, sometimes you have to break an egg. <laughs>